You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. You know that I bring some of the coolest people into the studio with me, and let me tell you, this was a last-minute type deal. This guy travels all over the world. He has worked with bands such as, uh, let's see here, uh, Linkin Park, um, Stone Temple Pilots, Slash, Myers Kennedy, uh, uh, Judas Priest, Godsmack, Kid Rock, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Puddle of Mud, Bob Seger, Ted Nugent, Scorpions, Megadeth, Motorhead, Eric Clampton, The Beach Boys, ZZ Top, Diana Ross... Man, I can keep going, but I only got a 20-minute show. So, please put your hands together for a good friend of mine, Mr. Kevin Tater McCarthy. What is going on, buddy? Hello, Johnny D. How you doing? <laughs> Man, I am fired up. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was thinking about this. It wasn't long ago. Maybe, what, eight, nine, ten years ago, we met at a pub crawl. Yes, that's true. We were both in town, yep. and, I, and, I, and I think that... Um, you were wherever you were overseas working somewhere, but um, I first of all thank you for be, being on the podcast. Yeah, no if you problem. can't thank tell, you I'm pretty me. excited, man. <laughs> so so listen, you have uh, traveled all over the world, literally all over the world. Yes, you've been in this business over thirty years. Thirty three. Thirty three years. Not counting. Not counting at all. <laughs> but let me ask you, how did it all start? I mean, how does a man? That has been in the business for 33 years, even get started. Because what I didn't tell everybody, you do sound for big bands. Mm-hmm. Like, you've been on tour with some of the biggest name rock bands out there. All those bands you mentioned. Yeah, plus a whole plus lot a more. Whole I only lot got more. 25 minutes. <laughs> plus all, all, you know, all the TV shows, all the special events. Oh, yeah. When you look back on it, when you hear somebody say all those bands, yep. you got a smile inside going, man, I can't even believe it. That's got to be kind of cool. And what you really can't believe is all those checks cashed. (laughs) (laughs) Every one of them. Let me ask you, how did it all get started? Uh, In high school, really, I was... um I was playing bass in a in a in just a you know a kids band in high school actually in junior high to high school. You played bass. I played bass. I didn't know that. Were you yeah. good? No, terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. And um, uh, we needed a PA system to be able to play to play gigs. Yeah. And um, I really got involved more in the PA than the bass playing. I was a terrible bass player, and um, uh, I just got way more involved in that. And then we owned some gear, and um, you know the band fizzled out. Uh, other bands were running the the PA system that uh, that I had to uh, do their shows, and I was making money. So fresh out of high school, bam, I'm making money renting a PA system out, and it just started from there. So did you go to college for this? I did not. Uh, uh, it's not that I don't recommend going to college for this. Uh, back then, there was no really schools for it, and there's yeah. a ton of them now. Well, good. Uh, I can't really mention any of them to say they're good or bad. I don't know. Right, right. Um, and, it, you know, everybody gets their own thing out of learning uh, anyway out of a good place or a bad place. So there's a ton of places that do it now. But back when I started, there really wasn't any. So it, it was just hard knocks. So so you've always been in the music then. So, yeah. So let me ask you this. What was your very first concert? The very first concert. Not that you worked. That yeah. you've ever been to? Very, very good question. Because, uh, uh, and don't try to anybody try to hack me because I don't use this as my uh, security <laughs> question. Um, my very first concert was 1975, Elvis Presley Pontiac Silverdome. No kidding. Yeah. What was that like? Were I you, can't remember. <laughs> were, were you hooked, or you don't even know? You don't remember? I, I just remember that he had ripped his pants that night, and he went went back and changed his jumpsuit. <laughs> And that's the one part I remember. And, and for all these years, when I was talking about it with my sister and my parents, uh, we all thought it was just a, a ploy for him to take a break for a few minutes. Yeah. But um, I, I eventually, um, I work with a company that did the sound for that show at the Silverdome. Uh, give a little shout out to uh, Claire Global and Sean Claire. And they sent me a whole list of pictures and things that happened at that show and who the crew was. And they verified that, no, he really did rip his pants <laughs> that night. So. That is so cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know where to start. So you, so you played bass. You got into this business, you know, um, by accident, kind of, right? You kind of fell into it. Yeah. I, I didn't ever think 
even, you know, I was too young and I was making a few bucks a week renting this system out and I was living on it, on that money. And, uh, I never thought it would be, you know, take me where it took me, you know, yeah. never even imagine, even to this day, I look back, especially this year, that's all we're doing is looking back because we're not working. I know. So, um, looking back that, it, that it's gone this fast and, uh, how lucky I am and how blessed I am that, uh, I've been able to make a, a full-time living at this. What was your first big show? Uh... Because we're going back 30 years, so that you know yeah. those were big shows back then. I mean, because we didn't have streaming. We didn't have this kind of thing. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, it's way pre-cell phone and, uh, you know, pre-internet and all that stuff. Uh, I think my first really big show, um, I was a sound technician on the George Michael Faith Stadium Tour. Really? And I think that was, I mean, talking, I'm talking about real big show. That yeah. was my first, like, stadium uh, experience was that was that pretty cool was that like man i've made it to the big time no because i tell you what it was so much it's so much hard work uh such long hours and uh you just you're just, you know all you're wanting to do is even back then when you're young is get back to the hotel and just get a few hours sleep because you know you got to be up early again and do it yeah. again. yeah tater it, you know for everybody that is at home listening and you're like wow i never even knew that there was a sound guy you know i mean because we we, we look at the bands and we're like oh people actually put things together yeah take us through a day of you guys pulling in either that night or the night before or that morning setting up kind of walk us through okay what a day's like uh days are long there's a lot of jobs going on the, the funny thing is is let's say you're going to an arena or your stadium or even your local theater and you go out and you're parking your car and you may drive by you know maybe three or four up to you know 20 semis parked out yeah. there and you, you you don't realize that that all those semis were unloaded a few hours ago and set up. They don't realize that yeah. that's how much gear you bring in. Most yeah. people think when you go to a concert, the sound, the lights, the stage, they think that's all supplied and the musicians are walking in with their guitars and their amps, setting right. them down and let's rock. <laughs> that's not the way it rolls. You know, when you pass all those, when you're going to an, an arena show and you pass all those 23 semis parked out in the street for you to park your car next to, yeah. they were there at 6 in the morning unloading those things one after another and setting up that gear. So um, most people don't know that, and, and that's what really happens. And behind the scenes, you know, an arena tour, you're starting at, uh, you know, somewhere between 6 and 7 in the morning. They're hanging the, hanging the chain motors up for you to hang everything from the ceiling. You know, the riggers are starting that early and lighting people coming in, set carps, production people. I mean, there's a whole host of jobs that people are doing. Yeah. And they all have to fall into a certain order. Everybody's job depends on another person's job to get done, so then you can start. And um, hopefully you get t done in time, and then you do a show, and then the show's usually over at 10, 30, 11. takes you a couple hours, maybe three to four hours to load out, and then you're hopefully asleep by 2, and you're waking, then you're driving. You're not driving, but you're in a bus, yeah. and then you're waking up in the next city, and whole thing starts again. No kidding. So let me ask yeah. you this. Does every band do a sound check? Uh, knock on wood, the bands I work for usually don't. Really? Yeah, thank God, okay. because a sound check is a really... Because I love um, the sound checks. You do? Yeah, just because I, I think I love the rawness of a okay, band, yep. of being up there and, and you guys tweaking things and him going, a little more on my left, a little more on my right yep. monitor, a little more on the drum kick, a little more. You know what I mean? I just, I love that. Maybe it's because I'm around it so much of, you know, with all my speaking. Yeah. And, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool. So for one thing, it's kind of become a thing of the past for a bunch of reasons. For one thing, we use the same gear, the same thing every day. Right. The only thing that changes is the environment around the room around, and that does change a lot of stuff. The thing is, though, when you're playing those big rooms and they're coming in for a sound check and they say, oh, let's change this, this doesn't sound right, that doesn't sound right, well, in in two more hours, when all, we call them the water bags, all the audience walks in, right? Yeah. It changes the sound so much. All you end up usually doing is going right back to where you were from the show before. So you've, you've wow. used all that time to, just to create confusion to put it right back again. So luckily, um, and it's, it, it depends what kind of band you're working with, but the bands I work with normally don't stay in the same city they're doing a show in. So they don't want to wow. have to come in early. They want to come in right before the show. They want to leave after. <laughs> um, and they pay us a lot of money to make sure that they don't have to do stuff like right, that. Yeah. Or they're coming in early and they're doing meet and greets and all that kind of stuff. So they yeah. don't have time for that. And, um, you know, we're, we're the ones that are tasked to handle, you know, no sound checks. And uh, depending on how big the tour is, 
it takes a long time to set that stuff up. You schedule right. a three o'clock sound check for a four, and they've got opening acts to deal with. They've really, in my world of mainly uh, hard rock bands, it's become a thing of the past. So let me ask you this: Do you physically, because of who you are and you are at such a high level, do you actually still set up and tear down and like do all that, or do you kind of walk in like the band a couple hours beforehand no, and say, no, no. you know, okay, guys, we're going to tweak this no, a little bit? <laughs> I wish uh, that that we call that white gloving. <laughs> And um, that doesn't really happen. Uh, I do have an assistant that's been with me for years, Paul White, and he he does mainly the, uh, I'll call it the heavy lifting stuff, but not really lifting stuff, but heavy lifting stuff. Uh, but I always set up my own mixing console, my own area where I work. I lay all my cables. I do all my stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that has to be done with, uh, you know, we use a lot of wireless, a lot of RF wireless coordination, which falls on my plate, has to be done during the day and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh no, I can't wipe, just walk in and mix. Unfortunately, that that that, that job has kind of gone away. What's your favorite part about doing your job? Is it the actual show? Is it the setting up? Is it the team bonding between? I mean, because how, how many men and women are on tour with you guys at, at any given time? Uh, 20, 30, well, I'm just, 40? I, you know, I work for, I've been working for Iron Maiden the last couple of years, so uh, I think we have 60. 60 people? 60, yeah. So, so you have to, I mean... Traveling 60, and then we use probably... A, uh, you know, 70 to 80 local crew every day. Wow. Yeah. So what, what's your favorite part about doing your job? Um, you know, there's a satisfaction. You know, I don't mix for the audience. I mix for the band, right? right? So what the band hears on stage, there's a certain satisfaction to them having a show and there's no issues. They don't ask you for anything. And a lot of these guys, especially nowadays, are all some sort of, uh, engineer recording guys and you're mixing the sound for them and if you can pull that off there's a there's pretty good satisfaction yeah you know so so have you ever had a situation that things didn't go well oh they're, they're, the thing is can you walk us through like one of them like kind of be because we're talking about all the fun things right right all the glory things but there i'm sure times with 60 people all this gear that things don't happen and um maybe maybe you're not set up at the right time of like four o'clock six yeah, o'clock eight happens. o'clock yeah so so what do you guys do walk us through like something like that maybe that has happened to you uh yeah i mean it's happened a lot you know we'll uh, have a have a border crossing and you get held up for hours and you, you know instead of loading in at 6 a.m you're loading in at noon and everybody's under the gun all, all that kind of stuff happens or you're doing international shows with air freight the same day and it doesn't show up and it doesn't clear customs all that kind of stuff happens constantly but somehow the shows always somehow yeah. they happen some way you know god we've had uh, you know, on Lincoln Park, we've had musicians not show up in the band, and with the you know the crews played the parts. So I mean, everything happens, but the show always happens. Right, right. And most of the issues we have, we have obviously when you, it's just like pretend you move your office and all your belongings every day. Yeah. To a different location. Instead of just right. walking out of your office every day and shutting the door and locking it, you have to take everything with you every day and move it to a new place. So um, there's problems all the time. The thing is with the problems is. We live and carry and live and breathe by backup systems. So it's we have redundancy for redundancy for redundancy all the time. And, you know, we work with all the gear manufacturers. We know all the people there. If we have problems, we have everybody at the ready to help us out and, yeah. and make it happen. You know, I love this, um, that you travel so much. And a lot of times you're on a bus. Yes. And, um, in, in, in the U.S., yeah. Right, yeah. And, and, and those of you that are watching the show right now, I mean, we've all been to concerts. We've seen the cool tour buses. I mean, your tour bus must be sweet. I mean, you probably got your own and everything else, huh? <laughs> no. No, I mean, no, I've no, saw, no, Hey, listen. I've seen the Prevos, yeah. you know, million, million and a half, yeah. two million, two. What's yours like? Yeah, no, well, uh, mine, uh, mine has uh, uh, ten other passengers and, and eleven other bunks other than mine. So wait, are you serious? So yeah. so you're traveling, not on your own bus. No, you, you're actually traveling with nine, ten other people on that bus. Yes. So not only are you working with these people all night. Yes. All day. All day. You're traveling with them too. In very tight quarters. Yes. What's that like? Sleeping right next to them, one on, you know, depending on what bunk you have, there's somebody on top of you or someone below you. Because I mean, people that are watching right now, yeah, they're they're thinking, oh man, he's on tour with all these bands. Things are great, and, and it is, and it's cool, right? Yeah. But there's so much more than oh. just that two-hour show. Oh, 
so much more. What's it like being on the road you know, with, with 60 people, 80 people? You know, the personalities must be great. The stories must is. be there's awesome. Ton, tons of stories, tons of personality. But everybody has a common goal of how to live together. You know, there's there's certain rules that everybody, especially on the bus and bus traveling and, and traveling as a group, uh, there's certain rules we all respect and, and live by and um, – and everybody follows that pattern, and it's been a pattern for years, and everybody kind of lives and dies and respects that pattern. And, yeah. and to make it, you know, to make it sane for everybody, because you're right in everybody's face all day long, every day, and uh, it can be tough. And, and stuff happens once in a while, but mainly everybody gets along, and the people you don't want to get along with, you, you know, as long as they're not in your immediate team, if they're right. in another carpentry or lighting or something, you know how to avoid them and make, you know, make it easy. You know, it's a job. Yeah. So you, you got to play nice. So when you're on the road as much as you, and you're in such tight quarters, and let's just say that you do have a day off, or maybe yes. weather comes in, or something, what do you like to do to get away from the other 10, 11, 60 people? Like, what's something that, that a tater likes to do when he's <laughs> on the road? Well, you know, so many years of traveling, I... I it's probably changed after 30s. Oh yeah, it changes years. probably every 10 years or something. You know, I, I just like to, I really like to just you know as I'm getting older, I, I I need the rest. You know, I need to recoup, and not only that, my ears need to recoup. You know what I mean? I have to have some downtime, quiet time, yeah, and stuff like that's very important to me to to my body to heal again to do another you know loud show. I mainly work for Hard Rock Axe. yeah, and uh, so I mainly relax. I like I have probably a favorite restaurant or somewhere to go in most cities and most places that. I look forward to, and if I don't, I look forward to the city where there is one I like to go to, and uh, just basically do that, or uh, maybe see some friends that I haven't seen in a while. If if it's a day off, you know, if it's a That's show day, you can't easy, do anything. It? No, it's not I, easy. I and, and, and I and I love this. Every time I go into a town, people are like, oh, hey, you're you're in town, come see me. Yeah, it's Let, tough. Let, let's go hang out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working. Yeah, I'm working. And it's. And it's so tough. I mean, I, I've seen you through a couple airports and yeah. stuff like that. It's yeah. like, hey, what's up? I gotta go. I gotta, I got a plane. Heading that way. Yeah, that's. You know? It's real tough. They, they got a, a lot of people when they go to a, or a guest of somebody that um, at a show, and you're a guest of somebody that works a show. A lot of people forget that that's our work environment. You that's know, right. and yeah. uh, we're working, and it's a serious job. And um, there's a lot of safety things and, and stuff like that. And you have to remember, we're, we are working. This is our job. We don't come into somebody's office during the day and <laughs> right. sit in their chair and answer their phone and put drinks all over the place. You yeah. know what I mean? So you got to respect that, too. But you, there's plenty of places to have fun and going to a show. But that's a serious work environment. And, um, you know, you have to respect that. A question came in um, on social media. And do tour buses change? Um like when you go to another country? Yeah, well, really only... Like, do, do they get smaller? Do they get bigger? Well, that's a, that's a great question because they've changed over the years. Um, you know, the touring industry and the tour bus busing obviously started in the U.S. Right. Uh, really only the U.S. and Europe, you travel by buses. Everywhere else, it's okay. you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. So um, it's really only here and there. And the U.S. always constantly had the best buses uh, the most innovative buses and all that kind of stuff. But in the last, God, I want to say 10 years, it could be here longer, Europe has far surpassed us and they have way better buses. They used to have a lot of laws and regulations about busing there, about uh, the, the the compartments of what we lived inside the bus and safety things. And that some of that stuff's gone away and it's made for really, really great buses. Uh, the only problem now is the driving regulations over there in Europe uh, you know, sometimes you have to have three drivers on the bus because they can only drive for so long and then have to have wow. brakes and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, oh, God, we have enough people. And now there's, you know, two more drivers, you know. Right. So, but that's starting to take effect here also. They used to do these overdrives back. These guys used to drive for 24 hours straight and they, that's all gone now. Yeah. So, and thank God, it's a lot safer. But uh, yeah, no, the buses in Europe have slowly over the years taken. Uh, taken hold, they've gotten a lot better. The designs are great, and uh, York Phillip from Beat the Street, who the buses we mainly use over there, he's done such a great job at uh, uh, making him great for the crew. So another question, and, and you know, your shows last anywhere from two, three, four hours, right? Usually, um, you know, a rock show. Well, the sh total show, yeah, but you know, the headline act is usually right around two hours. Now, do you do sound for the other acts as well? No. Okay. No. So let me ask you this. Um, Kind of a funny question, but after I thought about it, when this person wrote it to me, I'm like, man, this is a great question. <laughs> so you're there for two, three hours doing the shows. Yep. 
Are there certain things that you do not eat anymore because of the fact that you cannot just leave and go to the bathroom? <laughs> um, no, that no. But you do when you're riding on a bus, and, and one of the rules is you you can only you can only you know number one on the bus. There's no number two, and the reason really is for that is we don't have the we don't stop at RV parks to pump out and all that kind right. of stuff. You know, there's not it's this, not as glamorous as everybody thinks. Right. It is. So you, you if you have to go you know if you have to go to the bathroom, we ask the driver to pull over. But it doesn't happen a lot because everybody knows how to how to take care of themselves, get, take care of yourself. You know, do it before you get on or, or after you get off, and. Um, uh, I have an old. It's funny you mention that because I have an old truck. Of uh, I take a lot of fiber. I overdose on fiber. Yeah, and it saves not only a lot of uh, unneeded trips to the bathroom. It saves. Uh, you know, you play these festivals and all there is is portageons out there, right. and you want to spend the minimum of time you want in in one of the. I don't know if you ever been to a European festival with a overloaded uh, portageon. You want to be in there as less as you can. No, but I do do NASCAR. So <laughs> right, same thing. Then. Yeah, right. So 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 listen. Um, You've dealt with so many different personalities oh. because of the bands. Yeah, so many people in the band, but then the personalities and the needs yep. to all these different people. I know you, you can't mention names and stuff like that, but what's that? That that's got to be. That's got to be. That's got to be tough, because you don't know what kind of mood they're going to come in. Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't know what they're going through in their own life. You. I mean, there's so many things, and you're trying to do your. You're trying to make them look good. Yeah, I'm only trying to help their success. That's right. Not how tough is it though for you uh, to at, at at times to be like, man, I'm trying everything here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that does happen. I mean, it it would happen on any job. Right, you right. Know? Absolutely. Happen on any job. So yeah, uh, it does happen. Everybody's got their off days, and you know, including me. You know, we all have them. And luckily, man, when you work for we work, I got to say once again, I'm blessed, man. I've worked for some great people that really respect their crews and respect the jobs that they're doing, and they know. They're trying to build their success. You know, we're only right. trying to make them be more successful. Yeah. And I don't run into that, thank God, too much, you know. Um, is there problems? I mean, I do monitors for the for the bands. Of course, man, every, I can't hear this. Turn this up, <laughs> turn this down. You miss that cue. It happens. It's part of the job. And there's, you know, tons of excuses, but you just... You don't say anything. You just say, oh, you move on. Yeah, sorry, I'll hit it again the next night. Listen, we I've, I've seen those boards. Yeah. Okay. They're as big as this room. They used to be. Okay. They used to be. And, and do you actually use all of those knobs on the I know board what every, everybody asks. You know what those are? You say, I only know what this row does or something. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, there's a lot of redundancy. And with the old analog consoles, you know, you'd have, you know, so many channels on them. And all it was is the same thing repeated over and over and over again. Nowadays okay. on these digital desks, one knob can do, like, you know, a multitude of things. Yeah. So it's a lot less knobs, but that knob's doing a lot. And you do have to know every feature. You have to know them inside out. And not only do you have to know how to mix on them, you got to be able to know how to fix them. The operating systems work. And it, it's a lot of stuff now. It's way way different than it used to be. What's the biggest crowd you've been a part of it's, it, as far as, you know, fans? Oh, God, you know, I don't know. Um, oh, I've done a lot of big shows. You know, we just uh, when we ended last year with Iron Maiden, we were doing, I think, Man, it had to be eighty to a hundred thousand down at Rock and Rio, and you what's know, that like, dude? You're not even smiling. I'm like, oh my god, a hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. I mean, it's just a sea of people. You know, you look out there, it's a sea of people, and hoping you're doing a changeover, they don't throw anything at you. And, you know. <laughs> what's that like for you, though? Just knowing that, um, because when, when, when I'm sitting here, yeah. just listening to you, and I'm like, does he not realize how cool this is? And, 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 and listen, I get it. It's a job for you yeah. anymore. You're like, Johnny, well, listen, do it for 33 years and let's see yeah. how excited you are. I get it. But it's got to be so rewarding when you look out and you see just a sea of people and they're and you're a part of that group that is making that happen. Yeah, I mean, that feeling doesn't come to me a lot anymore, but when it does, it's a great feeling. And I got to tell you, one of the last shows I did with Iron Maiden, uh, we were in Santiago, Chile, and uh, playing a pretty historic stadium down there. And, of course, it's just oversold. And they've got flares going, and there's bonfires out in the middle of the audience, and they're just going nuts. And um, sometimes the synergy between the audience and the band almost becomes one, and that's when you really feel it. Like yeah. everything's just kind of happening magically, like the, this whole synergy. And that's when that's when I feel it now. And you're like, wow, I'm just glad to be just glad to be witnessing this, you know, be here to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. I um, saw a picture on social media of you and David, um, if you could bring it up um, and you'll see the battleship. And it's yeah. just like I, I, th I think you were with uh, Stone Temple Pilots mm -hmm. and uh, you were 
the shot is from the back of the stage and it's looking at a battleship. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. Um, that gave me goosebumps. I think maybe you were in Hawaii or something yeah, we were like in Hawaii, that. Yeah. What was that? I mean, what's that like to go to a military base and, and, and perform or, you know, be a part of the band that is doing this for our military? Yeah, I don't know how the we, we had played Okinawa, Japan on a, on a military base. We'd done a few military bases, making our way back uh, from from uh, Asia, and we did uh, one. Or I can't remember how many shows we did. Maybe a couple in Hawaii, and that was one of the bases, right, right on the yeah. water with the ships. And somebody took an incredible picture. Uh, obviously, when you play for the military and their people and their family, you know, it's fantastic just to yeah. see them get away and forget about everything and and enjoy a band the thing was is that the day that was taken that was not supposed to be a show day that was a um that was only really a setup day and a day to make sure our gear had come in off the airplane from japan to um hawaii and made it through customs all right and everything and there'd been a uh they were going to close the base now the next day because of a bad storm coming in and they were prepared for it so they asked us if we could play the show that day instead and I'm surprised even how they got the word out that anybody even showed up because they you're all prepared the next day and now you're coming now and yeah. they packed the place and and STP always puts on a great show. They're such great musicians and and you know they didn't they'll do whatever it takes, man. It didn't phase them to play when they're not ready. Yeah, right. well, let's go right now. Let's do it, we'll do yeah. it right now. And they did, and it, it ended up just being one of those another magical show. And and it was funny because um, speaking of, speaking of stuff going wrong. Um, stuff going on i had i was using a, a local guy's oh this is in japan i was using a local guy's computer uh to run the console and um the power cable had fallen out so it started to run out of battery and the screen went blank i found the cable picked it up put it back in and it came all up in japanese <laughs> and i didn't know how to reset it <laughs> it's all in japanese oh man <laughs> some social media stuff came in and that was if a young man or a young woman wants to get into this business, how do they get into the music business these days? Uh, you know, you talked about schools earlier, and there's a lot of schools. I think maybe now you need to have some sort of schooling background, but that's only going to get you so far that's because right, yeah. it's 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 really a learn-on-the-job type thing. And um, some people... Some, some some people that hire don't want somebody with a lot of experience. They want to train you their way and bring you up and show like you, you? The, yeah, bring you the, yeah exactly, <laughs> and not show you another way. So uh, to get everybody kind of gets in in a different way and a different somehow uh, they land up there. Some people are lifers and some people do it for a couple of years and some people do it for five minutes and can't take it and they're yeah. out. You know you, you know right away. It's not a job where you're like oh, I'll do this for a while. You, you, People are either in it or they're out of it. Right. You know, you either got it's it or you a, it's, don't. It's, it's a lifestyle, right? It's a lifestyle, and it's not nothing personal. If, if you can't do it, it's not for everybody, and yeah. you figure it out real quick. Yeah, and like for us being on the road, I figured out what I love. Twenty four years of doing this, and then with everything like literally stopped, I had to learn how to learn live how, again, how to live at home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like holy cow, I got this house that I've been paying for for yeah. eighteen years, and now I got to live here. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not, it's not a Holiday Inn, it's not a Hilton. You yeah. Know? Um, a question came in again on social media. I took a bunch of questions from social media, and uh, what's it like for you? Have you had like one of those wow moments, or maybe those one of those magical moments? I'm, I'm sure that after thirty three years of doing this, you've had several of them, but there's one stand out like a life-changing moment that maybe maybe you saw somebody in the crowd that that grabbed your attention that you normally don't look at the crowd or maybe it was a band member that I, I don't know I don't know exactly what this person was talking about but I know what those wow moments or those life-changing moments are have you ever had one uh I'm sure I've had and maybe not all for the the good you know what i mean yeah. maybe i know i know uh obviously covid right now we're dealing with a life changing because yeah. you know 30 if you minus 33 years from my age it's not i'm not wasn't very old when i started and i don't really know anything else so i'm learning a lot of new stuff right yeah. now um uh about myself about everybody around me about about everything you yeah. know about being home for this long and uh, you know, worrying about putting miles on my car, which I've never done before, you know, know. all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, worry about my, you know, so, so much new stuff to worry about. I don't know if yeah. I've had a wow moment, or, or maybe I've had so many. I, you know, I, or what I think is a wow moment, um, somebody might think is, and I don't think is at all. Well, let me ask you this: maybe it was you made a wow moment for somebody else. 
Maybe it was inviting somebody to a show. Maybe it was seeing somebody at the show that maybe you got them a little bit closer. Or right. you know, not not everybody can get to the lead lead singer or no. the lead guitar player. But for whatever reason, they got to you that night. <laughs> um, God, like, it's, it's, it's like, weird. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure it has happened. I don't have a story off really off the top of my head. I, I hope I've I hope I've made somebody's day once in a while, yeah. you know. And I hope just them enjoying the bands, you know, and and seeing a show that went off without a hitch, and they got to uh, experience something that they were looking forward to. And I was a, just a small part of it. Right. We talk about you doing arenas of twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand, eighty thousand, a hundred thousand people. Yeah. What's it like going from that to Jimmy Kimball or Jay Leno? And that's or, stuff we do all the time. Right. Because, so you what's know, it like for you to go from that mindset of, yeah. okay, we have you know 20 trucks with 60 people to it's just me and another guy making sound good for the studio? Yeah, well, once again, most people think, you know, you just... You just do it over there and over there. It doesn't matter. But, you know, we uh, most of these bands, when we start up, we call it a record cycle. They have a new product out, and we do long rehearsals. And then we do usually do a promo tour to start, and that's when you do your TV shows, your Jimmy Kimmel's. That's when they're doing all that stuff, not yeah. in the middle of a tour. Sometimes you do it in the middle of a tour, but hopefully not. Um, and you have to do that whole run of all those places, and, it, and it's a lot different. You're in a different environment. Your band's only playing one song instead of, you know, two hours plus. Right. They're going to do one or two songs, and it's a whole different environment for them and for you, and your job is there to, to make it sound the way they're used to and keep them comfortable in an un- uncomfortable environment for themselves. And that's one of the reasons they bring us everywhere and keep employing the people that they like is because they it makes them feel comfortable to see the faces and know that everything that they're gonna when they get on stage everything's gonna be right. Do you get close to the band? Never. Well, no, yeah, usually never. Um, uh, for one thing, it's not easy to get close to the band because we're on two totally different schedules. Right. Most of the times we don't stay in the same cities. Most of the times we don't stay in the same hotels. Uh, most of the times they don't stay in the same hotels with each other. You know what I mean? So a band of six might not all be at the same hotel. So the, the bonding time, I would say, is during rehearsals when you're much more intimate and they're with you one-on-one. I love that. I love what you just said because, again, listen, uh, my audience, we don't know about all the ins and outs. So just little things like that, like there are the chemistry parts of bands that people don't realize and like people might not like each other. So they don't stay even at the same hotel or maybe egos play a role yeah you don't know or, or it could or it could just be that guy's favorite hotel and the other guy's favorite hotel right they want to stay at different places i mean it's, it's, sometimes it's you know it's simple but um yeah i mean uh, a lot of the bands well like when i started with lincoln park you know i worked for them for i'm still kind of work for mike he's been doing solo stuff you know like 12 years now um you know, yeah, I, I w- we're just still work acquaintances. They're 10 years younger than me. We don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. We have different goals, different family lives. You know, older kid, they've got young. Everything's way different. And we're just, uh, you know, really in the long run, uh, I'm just there to, to do their sound. Yeah. And if a friendship evolves out of it for some reason, that that's fine. You know what I mean? That's fine. But we're not in the same economic. I don't live in L.A. where most of the bands right. live or England. I live in Detroit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not like we're going to hang out on the weekends. And they, they just have such a different everything going on that, you know, you just it, I try to keep it as a work relationship. Now, over 33 years, I, I, I would say I have just a handful of friends that are that I call friends, and when I say friends, I you see a lot of crew guys. Oh, that guy's my buddy. Yeah. You're not his buddy unless you know his kids' names. He calls you on your kid's birthday. Right. Do you have his phone number in your phone? Can you email him right now? Right. right. I know yeah. all my friends. I can do that. Right. right. Exactly. So you see all these. Oh yeah, it's my buddy. Well, they, they, no. You know what I mean? That yeah. you work for that. That's your employer. Yeah. Um. And I, I'd say in 33 years, I have a handful of guys that are famous musicians that I could call and email and know their kids' names, and they, they say happy birthday to me on my birthday. Yeah. So a handful. So how did you get the, the nickname Tater? Uh, easy. Uh, dictator. Really? Short for Dictator, yeah. That's it? That's it. I thought for sure there was going to be a, a much <laughs> bigger story here. You know, you, you talk about doing things a little bit different now because of the COVID-19 yeah. and everything else. One thing that you are doing, and I was kind of shocked, um, because you're a guy be not in front of the mic and now yeah. you're, you're doing a podcast your, yourself. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. And have you had to get a little bit more comfortable in front of the mic? 
Well, there's no well, there's no audience you can see there, right? And I'm just in my office doing it. So, uh, and I'm talking about subjects that I know. And it's me and my partner Pooch who mixes the front of house for all these bands. We we do a lot of tours together throughout the years, and we do a webinar called Wrong End of the Snake, and uh, we have a person. Uh, another touring person or someone in the music business that we know and have a relationship with and we don't talk any technical stuff it's all about life on the road what their jobs are how they handle their jobs and how it affects everybody in in the touring group and how everybody has to get along and the ins and outs of, of that kind of stuff so if they want to get a little bit more in depth like this show here but maybe a little bit how can they find the show it's uh, YouTube, uh, at Wrong End of the Snake, or an Instagram, Wrong End of the Snake. Great question. Again, came in on social media, and this was a, a young man out of, from North Carolina, and he wanted to know your favorite truck stop, gas station, airport snack. And I thought that was a, such a great question. Wow, because that is listen, a great question. We've both been on the road. You know, I fly yep. a lot. You're on, like, literally on the road. What's it like... Um, to have that favorite snack because I know what mine is. It's it's a Snickers bar. <laughs> and matter of fact, I had two of them on the way here today because I did not want to eat something that I didn't want to. So I had a Snickers bar and it tied me over to when I get home. God, I wish I would have had one. Um, <laughs> I haven't eaten yet today and I'm starving. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a snack. Like I guess it's a snack. Uh, my favorite thing in the whole wide world. There is a. It only used to be in Nagoya, Japan, and it's branched out now. It's gotten a lot bigger. They're they're all over Japan now, and they're they're kind of in Hong Kong, and they're a little bit in Thailand. They're they're kind of around Asia a little bit now. But it's a thing called Yamachan. What the heck is that? And it's Please. it's um, they're famous for their chicken wings, and it's hard to believe that a Japanese company would be famous for chicken wings. You think that's kind of all American, <laughs> but they are the best chicken wings in the whole wide world, bar none. And um, I always wish they opened one here. I don't know if the normal American would take to these chicken wings, but they are the best thing ever, and I eat them by the dozens. <laughs> and it's only the wing. It's not the drumstick. It's oh. only the wing. Okay. Yeah. So is there a place that you still want to travel to? I mean, you've been to so many cool places, but is there still one place that you want to either, one, go work, or two, just go there and say, I, was, I went? Uh, not really. Um, you know, uh, the, the only way I can really answer that question is, um, we go to Europe so many times, not only that, just so many times in one year, even, you know, you, yeah. it seems like you're always in Europe, in the U S you're always in South America. <laughs> you got to go do a one show in Japan and come back. So you're, you're always in those places, the places, not that I necessarily saying I want to go there. I think we don't do the Middle East a lot. Yeah. You know, we do Israel, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Saudi, stuff like that. But we don't get deep in, in, in the Middle East at all. And maybe one day we can do that and maybe I'd like to go in that region more. Have you ever been... Because ner- I love their food. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been nervous anywhere on the road, different countries traveling? Have you ever had one of those... Never. ...been uncomfortable because... Never. ...or felt scared or... Never. Um, never, ever, ever, uh, in any place. And I love and respect all the places we go. Every, every place has great people. You, you never meet bad people. You always meet, you know, they're, they're happy to see a band anyway. In a right, group, yeah. You know, so, you know, they're, you're always taken care of so well by the local promoters there and they take you out to great places and, and you meet people that are happy to see you and take care of you and make you feel good while you're there and show yeah. you the best. They want to show you the best of everything that their country or their city or state or whatever has yeah. to offer. So, uh, no, I've never felt uncomfortable, um, anywhere other than, um, uh, I wouldn't say I felt uncomfortable, but, uh, I'm one of the only people that I know have been pulled over on a runway of an airport. What? By the police. Come on. <laughs> Dead serious. Please share with me and everybody watching right yeah. now. Tell, please. That's a funny story. Uh, I, I was, guess. I was, uh, uh, working I'm glad for, it was you and not me. <laughs> we were, I was working for uh, Phil Collins. It was around 1993, 94, somewhere in there. And we had just done a stadium show in Caracas, Venezuela. <laughs> and we had, we were on a, uh, we had our own plane. We were traveling in and, uh, we were going down the runway. Next thing you know, you know, engines down, no takeoff. And, cop cars and military vehicles surrounded us and um came on got the tour manager and 
I guess we missed a payment to be made or a, a special tax or something that had to be paid, and it got paid, and we, we left. Wow. <laughs> that had to be a little bit scary, though. Well, you know, we didn't really know what was going on right. until That's after, so, but it was still kind of weird being pulled over on the runway of a, of a plane. Is there a band or talent that you still would love to work with? Let, let me ask yeah. you this. Yeah. A hypothetical question. Okay. If you could go back anytime and say, man, I wish I would have worked with that band or that person, or who would it be? I mean, you've worked oh. with so many cool people. Oh, so many fantastic. So blessed but, in that area. Um, you know, I don't know if it would be worked with somebody else. It's maybe worked with some people I'd worked with more. Okay. So, um, you know, I didn't work with them enough or was unavailable. Like, you know, when I started working for Lincoln Park, I, I kind of focused all my attention and energy on them and you know you normally you go a band nowadays doesn't tour that long you'll do a couple months here a couple months there before you were touring you know six eight twelve months all the time uh so you would jump from band to band a lot and in that stretch with lincoln park i didn't jump a lot and i had left judas priest then and and i love that those guys and they're such a great band and people and i it's one of the things I'll, I know I'll look back on and saying I, I had to do what I did and Lincoln Park treated me great. But yeah. they, they were one of the bands that was a very hard decision to, to not, not be with them. And I see them go out now and it's like, oh, man, just one more time, you know, one more time. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You know what? I, I know you've worked with some pretty heavy metal bands. Yeah. I'm the motivational cowboy, man. I got to ask, have you ever worked with a country band or artist? You know, for me... <laughs> And when I started and was was getting my reputation, country was not arena rock. Okay. okay? Country was state fairs, uh, smaller kind of stuff. I'm, you know, there was. I'm sure there was. You know, whoever in the '80s was big. It wasn't Garth Brooks, and I'm sure there was somebody big then. But um, I just country's all based out of Nashville. It's their own little scene, their own little world. Yep. And until like maybe. Somewhere in the 2000s, I'm not sure when that became the new arena rock. You know what I mean? Where all those right. all those bands sell arenas now, right? Yep. I don't know when that happened, but I'm not in that scene, so I don't know those people at all, really. Yeah. And I, and they don't know me. It's its own kind of entity, its own world. Yeah. So not really. It was so funny because when I posted that you were going to be on my show today live, um, two or three guys that are that I know that are um, techs and stuff like that for for bands. You're like, dude, I know that cat. I know, you know what I mean? So it <laughs> yeah. is kind of funny how small. Yeah, it's a very it really small is. industry. Yeah, very so, small. So if I, right now, got into your iPod, what kind of music does Tater listen to? Well, Johnny, I don't think anybody's had iPods in a few years. Maybe well, on my phone? In your phone, your streaming, <laughs> whatever. What kind of eight tracks do you have? What kind of yeah, tapes right. do you have? Um, what kind of vinyl do you have? There you go. That's better. Okay. Uh, you know... <laughs> I grew up in the, you know, I graduated high school in 85. I grew up in in the hair metal days, you know. So I'm 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 basically a 70 late 70s uh hard rock kind of okay. kind of listening to, you know. That's ma- mainly my my genre of music. I, I like so many and um and so many of the bands I work for, you know, you, people say aren't you sick of hearing those songs over and over again and like <laughs> sometimes you're not and you end up liking the songs and 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 you, f- you see a different angle to like them and i usually i usually like all the bands i work for and their songs and uh but i haven't you, you kind of when you're constantly mixing sound I, I i don't find myself listening a lot i've only started to find myself listening a lot again now that we've been off for a while yeah so uh for a while you know when i'm i listen have all day at work i got to listen to music so I turn it off normally, but now right. I'm starting to turn it back on and get get back into some stuff. You know, um, it's been challenging 33 years being on the road. Yeah. Um, you have your bad days just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. You have your good days with like everybody else. Uh, some days it's like in a roller coaster ride. You have ups and downs. When you need that kick in the butt, who motivates or inspires you to keep going? Because, listen... At the end of the day, I can't tell you how many weddings I've missed, how many funerals oh. I've missed, how many birthdays I've missed. Um, yeah. y- you know, so many things yeah. because I love what I do. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world. 
but I know it's tough, and, and, and I know that it gets tough being yeah. on the road. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much you say, oh, I love my brothers and sisters on the road. Listen, at the end of the day, we're still human beings. Yeah. yeah. Who motivates and inspires you when you need a kick in the butt? Love that question. Great question. You know what? I don't really know how to answer that, but I know something and someone does because, uh, you know, you, you do you do have some hard times out there. Obviously, like any job, you know, you you know you go through stuff at work that you know, and and you just have to have a good uh, a good friend network, really. You know, to yeah. call people and talk about something else. You know, <laughs> right. get your mind off off work, especially because we have to live our work. We can't go home and turn it off. You, exactly. You know, if you have problems at the show, you have to think tomorrow how to fix it, how to FedEx something, how to. You're you're constantly in that headspace, and you yep. cannot get out. I call it in the bubble. You're constantly in the bubble until that tour ends. Until you're on that flight home, you're like. Pop that bubble. I'm ready to take a day off, you know, a real day off. Because right. we, when we're on the road, I, I call it show days and non-show days. It's not yeah. like... You're a, still on the road, right, dude. Right, Some people call it, oh, we got a day off. I don't have a day off. If non-show I, day. If I hear one more time, after 23 years in, 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 in the speaking business, oh, you're on vacation all the time. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you get to travel here and you get to travel yeah. there. You're on vacation. There's yeah. no... Like, I'm for, for me, I'm preparing for the next gig yeah. or the next talk. Because none of them are the same. Yeah. Or the next NASCAR event or the next event that I'm emceeing. Studying and, it's and learning. Yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know? no, like I always say when people say, oh, you're going to be in L.A. for two weeks. you got to come see me. They're not paying me to be on vacation. That's right. Exactly. Okay? They're paying for my travel and my hotel and my salary for me to give them work in return. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes those hours are very long. And all I want to do is get to the hotel and get some sleep and catch up on a few things and, and get away from it for a second and... Um, not worry about getting an Uber to go here and do this and do that. I just want to get away. So what's dif- what's the difference between digital and analog? And is analog coming back? Uh, it won't come back in live live audio. You, okay. you know, you'll have some bands, and they'll, they'll be fewer and farther between. They'll say, uh, I want my engineers only to use analog consoles and stuff like that. The problem is it all sounds fantastic yeah i want to use analog yeah yeah, i'm only using analog the problem is is analog is big it's bulky it's heavy and it's not as flexible as digital okay so what's the difference between digital and analog well right so i can take a like this i don't know if you can see this mixing console here right this thing is very powerful in what it does okay many many functions an analog desk can't basically do that the problem is when when a guy says he wants to take analog you're going to get shut down by production because the guy that has to pay which is the band usually to ship all that analog <laughs> stuff around the world right yeah they don't want to pay for that anymore they want right. something small compact lightweight that can go everywhere so to get a band to buy in yeah yeah we want analog well in the end of the 12 month tour well, if you want analog, it's going to cost each of the band members an extra 120 grand because of the cost of air freighting it around the world. It usually gets nixed right away. Yeah, right. So it can make a comeback, but in the live world, it's going to have a, it's a tough sell. Sounds great in the studio, but not live. Yeah. And yeah. can you make it sound um, the same with digital? Like, can you take analog and make it sound like... Or can you take digital, digital and make, make it, it sound, sound analog. like analog? You know, I, I never claim to have any golden ears or anything like that. <laughs> um and I always thought I wasn't going to be in the business when digital fully came out, which it is now. I thought I would never learn it, pick it up, know how to use it. Um, but, uh, yes, it's too close. And, and I think people's ears now are attuned to everything being digital and listening on bad uh, earphones and stuff like that yeah. through MP3s. So everybody's hearing has adjusted and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and, and, and the new digital, it sounds so great. It really does. What's challenging about your job? Uh, you know, because again, people are, they don't realize we only see the good things. You only see the good things, yeah. What is the most, or, or, or what is just challenging? Well, just for me. Spew it out right now yeah, for all of us to hear. You know, for me in my <laughs> position, if everybody doesn't know, I, I don't mix the sound for the audience. I mix it for the band, the So band what's members. the difference then? You've said that before. Yeah. So yeah. I thought when you mix it once, it's all the no. same. So, so what, what is the there's difference? a guy normally in the middle of the arena. Oh right, okay. And he's sitting in the middle of the arena, and he's mixing the large speaker stacks you see flown in the air. Okay, so you're for off the to arena. the side of the stage. I'm off to the side, and I'm mixing just what the band needs to hear, which is two completely different things. So I have to mix for, you know, many different individuals, many different tastes, many different, 
you know, styles, different things going on all the time where that guy's just mixing for the people. So, uh, the big. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have to be in tune with all the band members on stage with their needs and wants. And, um, it, it it's uh you know you're it's the hot seat you know it's the hot seat every night you know so i always feel every night my job's on the line and i have to i have to be 100 percent spot on every night i can't have a bad night and i live and die by that with my job and um that's how i approach it and that's how i have to approach it are there i i, I know for me when i work with certain people for a amount of time when i'm doing i and that's just me in a microphone but i can look at you and i can you know look at something or point at something and you know exactly what I need fixed. Yeah. Do you, why a band is performing live can look at you and they're like, and you just know exactly what they're talking about. Yes. If you work, you know, it's, it's something you can't, it's it's not like they can come over and talk to you. Well, they can, they can during a live show. Yeah. Yeah. They can come over. Well, they don't usually, but they can, (laughs) um, they can. And we have talk back mics that go just to me. So they're, they're, tech or their person working for them can talk to me and say stuff but um i can always sense beforehand that they're uncomfortable so i know something's coming yeah i have to figure out whether it's their instrument they're uncomfortable with the lights the video or is it something i'm doing so i can sense that and i can usually sense that by the way they look or the way they're oh he's not standing in the same even though it's not choreographed these guys go to the same spots every night you know just by force force of habit so I can start to feel them out a little bit that way that they're uncomfortable or something, and then I can be I, I'm ready, already there, ready to, to start taking action. Right. You almost have to think before they even ask. Correct. You have to be right there, ready, and it, and you can't take any time doing it. You have to fix it and move on because you've got st- other stuff going on. Right. That's right. Yeah. So just real quick, besides bands, have you ever worked with like a comedian or anything like that doing sound? I don't think so. Would you? You'd probably do anything you know right what? now. It's funny. It's, yeah, right now I'll do anything. Does anybody? I'll do anything. Um, it's funny you say that because a comedian doesn't need what we call inputs, which are the you know the feeds to the console. Uh, and you know you think oh it's just one mic and maybe a spare mic and maybe an audience mic here yeah. and there. It, it seems easy. But what I've always found out, like a DJ, you just need a left and right and a vocal mic yeah. and off you go. Uh, I always find usually the less inputs, the harder. You know. Yeah. So. Um, uh, and, and, and I wonder because I just know, and I got to wrap things up. But yeah, but, but I just know, like I like a little bit of bass. I like a bit, little bit of reverb because I'm yep. a storyteller. So yep. I I use the mic for you know yeah. certain like yeah. things. It's just me and a mic, and um, I know the difference when they have a professional sound guy there at yep. the event and when they don't. Yeah, see, it's easy to tell, isn't you know? it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough. Oh, thank for, you for coming to hang, hang out. How can people find you on social media? Uh, Tater Audio. I think I'm at Tater Audio on Instagram and you Facebook. Are? Yep. And uh, that's the way to find me. Man, I can't. I, we we, we got to do this again. Yeah, if you don't heck mind. yeah. Anytime, yeah. Well, hey, everybody. You listened to it. That was Mr. Kevin Tater McCarthy joining me right here on this episode. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.